So I want you to go with me, at least in your mind's eye, to any labor and delivery room in a local hospital anywhere across the borderlands or anywhere for that matter. Specifically, I want to take you back to 1990 when my daughter was born. And, uh, you know, you wait for many months, nine to be exact, for this child to be born. And during those months, you, you have these thoughts and these dreams and these hopes and maybe even a few fears about how that child's going to turn out. And so that moment in, in the delivery room becomes one that's racked with anticipation for us and, and maybe of a little bit of concern. What's it going to be? Is this going to be the perfect child and the perfect beginning to this child's life? And as Lauren was born, I remember having those thoughts and thinking through how it was going to be. And, uh, you know, I was taken back as she, right after she was born, as the doctors the doctor and the nurses who were there with her uh, were concerned. And they said, well, look at that. And I couldn't see what they were talking about from my vantage point. But I found out later that she had a knot tied in her umbilical cord. I asked the doctor if that was normal. And he said, it's not, not normal in any way. And so then our concerns were, so is this now perfect baby? Fingers and toes and everything was where it was supposed to be is this going to be a sign that something's wrong? I'm going to get to more of the something's wrong part in a couple of weeks, but today I want to start with that perfect beginning because the story that we tell has a perfect beginning. We're, we're in a series where we're talking about our responsibility and our opportunities to tell the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's God's story. It's the biblical story. And as storytellers, it's important that we get this piece of it, and that is that the perfect story has a great beginning, actually a perfect beginning. So today, the challenge that I have is to take you through Genesis 1 and 2 uh, in just a handful of minutes here. So I'm going to read just the first part of Genesis 1, and much of this message is going to highlight a few things in there, and I'm going to push you to those two chapters in your own personal study but look at what we find in Genesis 1. Very familiar passage. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, and then we find the, the dialogue of the creation now picks up, and it all hinges on God created and God said. So as we get into that today, I, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that we, as storytellers of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we must begin at the point of the beginning. And that sounds a little redundant, but it's one that we often forget as storytellers as we seek to reach out to people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, we do this because our vision as a church, our, our calling as Christian people dictates that that's part of what we do as a matter of course in our daily lives. So I want to spend a few weeks now uh, highlighting different pieces of this story that we tell. And so we talk about the beginning today and we're in Genesis 1 and 2. I want you to imagine, if you can, how God felt or maybe what God thought as creation unfolded. And he's obviously the moving force. He's the creator. And he's involved in it. He's invested in it. 
Imagine what his emotions were, if we want to assign him emotions. And imagine what his thoughts were, if we were to try to say, here's what we think his thoughts might have been. Those are always dangerous things for us to do. But um, but what must he have been thinking or feeling in that? We have, and I I want you to notice this picture that we have. It was drawn uh, and painted. it came into being, created is a good word, by one of our church members, Elaine Bryant. And as you see in this picture, uh, it's a picture of the facade, the face of our church. And as she has been working on that for months and months and hours each day, uh, it came into being. And as I was talking to her the day she brought it up here for us to give it to the church. What a great gift. What a great reminder of this point in our church's history. And as I talked to her about it and asked her some questions and she showed me some of the detail, I I watched as her countenance just lifted because it was her creation. And she's the artist behind that. It's an incredible piece of art. And I, I loved what I saw, both the thoughts and the emotions that she had attached to that as the creator. I'm going to take that from her, the artist and the creator of that piece of art, back to creation and what we find there and how God responded to his, because we don't have to wonder. We don't, we don't have to uh, somehow try to figure out what God might have thought or felt because scripture tells us. And in the book of Genesis, the first chapter, especially today, uh, as we go to the next segment in a few moments, we're going we're gonna to look at exactly what God said and felt in the process of all of that. We have that record of it. And I'm going to summarize it all in one word. Good. Because as we work our way through this first chapter, time after time, God says of his creation, that's good. Actually, he says it in a much more forceful way than that, and we'll look at that as we go forward in just a few moments. But this Genesis 1 and 2 gives us the record of the beginning of the creation and of God's love story with us. So get a Bible, Genesis chapter 1, especially today, and we'll go through that together in just a few moments. Let's begin with a word of prayer. And so, Lord, as we come and now we open Scripture from the very first page of it, we find your thumbprint on creation. We find your heart in creation. And we pray that you would help us to find that this perfect beginning is the perfect start for us as storytellers. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be back in just a few moments. So as we come now to the first part of this story that we're to tell, the perfect start to the story, uh, recognize that There are some things in Genesis 1 that are really critical to helping us understand our need for Jesus Christ. And so there's some things about Genesis 1 that I know just by me announcing that I'm preaching there, somebody's going to want me to say certain things. But I'm probably not going to take the tack that you want me to today because I'm trying to pull this in together so that we understand the components of the story that we are to tell. And so as we engage people, to go to what we talked about last week, as we engage people with the good news of Jesus Christ, especially in this day, we need to be prepared for some skeptics. Because there are a lot of skeptical people out there about the claims of Jesus Christ, the claims of Scripture 
regarding God's love for us and, and the need for salvation, those kind of things. And, and I would suggest to you that for someone who doesn't understand the gospel story, uh, there might be even grounds for them to be skeptical about some things. They can look around. We talk about the love of God and the goodness of God, and we look around at the pain and the turmoil that's going on in our society. And people who don't know the gospel might well be skeptical about that, saying, how can a good God let that kind of stuff happen? So you need to be prepared for those kind of questions. You need to be ready to speak into those kind of things. In other words, we need good answers for those skeptical people. Um, and so we have a whole piece of our uh, training that we do, our discipling of people that we call apologetics. And, and it's a way to help people be trained to know, how can I answer those uh, skeptics or those people who are even attacking Christianity, attacking Scripture? One of the best books that I've read over the last 12 months is one by Dallas Willard. Dallas died not too long ago, but he's one of the great uh, Christian thinkers of our day, one of the great Christian writers of our day. And he wrote a book called The Allure of Gentleness. And it's a book about apologetics, but it's also a book that says rather than attacking people who are attacking us or getting all defensive about things, that we take the goodness of Jesus Christ and the gentleness of Jesus Christ and we apply it into those conversations. And so with that in mind, I want to come to this passage and help us help us realize that Genesis 1 and 2 together, but especially 1 today for us, gives us a vantage point to speak into the lives of skeptics and answer some of their questions by going back to the beginning. Because the beginning of this story is a perfect start. Here, here's why I get that. Well, let me just say this too. There are two things that are, are part of how I'm coming at this passage today. And maybe it'll help you understand where I'm coming from. The first one is, I, I come from a belief that God is. In other words, there really is a God, and He really is the Creator. Uh, that's a challenge to people who are skeptical about creation and the creation account sometimes. Uh, and so as we come into that, um, if you happen to be one or you know someone who claims to be an atheist, or maybe they claim to be an agnostic, the difference basically is an atheist says, I don't believe there's a God. An agnostic says, I'm not sure that there's a God. I, I love what one evangelist said in a conversation that he had with a guy uh, who said that he was an atheist. And uh, so the evangelist challenged him because he knew that this guy had been in an accident. He was a mechanic. He'd been working on a car that was up on jacks and that car uh, fell off of the jacks and he was trapped underneath. And the evangelist said to him, so when you were trapped there, what did you do? And he said, I prayed. <laughs> and he said, so you're not an atheist after all. You're an agnostic. You're not sure about this God thing. So we're going to find those kind of people. I'm coming today from a vantage point, I'm assuming you will too, that God is, that He really is there. He really is a creator. That's the first thing. The second thing is I'm, I'm coming from a belief that God actually created. Um, that's a challenge to some people because they want to come to this in the book of Genesis and they want me to speak to all the questions about how he did it. Was it, you know, uh, real time seven, 24 hour days that he did that or over a period of time? I'm not speaking to that today. I have an opinion about that. I'm just not speaking to that today. Where we're coming from is we talk about coming as evangelists with the good news of Jesus Christ. We start at the beginning, which is a perfect beginning. And what's important in that mostly is that God is 
and that God created. Now, and that creation, Genesis 1 reveals to us, is a good thing. God said it's a good thing. As a matter of fact, seven different times in chapter 1, we find that statement, and God said that it was good. So I'll start in verse 4, and I'm just going to read these seven different times. Uh, it's going to be repetitive because it's the way it reads here. So verse 4 says, uh, And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And um, we, so... I missed my verse. Sorry about that. And God saw that the light was good. That's verse 4. Verse 10, it says, God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together He called seas. And God saw that it was good. Verse 12, And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing their fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 18, verse 21, verse 25, and verse 31. In every one of those cases, God steps in according to the narrator, narrator and as He says, or finishes that day of creation, and God saw that it was good. That word good is a critical piece of this passage, and it's a critical piece of the story. Four different ways the Old Testament uses the word good that helps us out here. Uh, the first one is it's, it, 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 it communicates joy. It's a joyous response. In other words, there's a condition that creates and triggers this emotion. Think about, if you will, Thanksgiving meal. If you gather your family together and you gather there and you say, boy, this is the best meal I've had. Well, it's probably not just that the turkey's good and the dressing's good. It may also be triggered by the gathered family and that time of celebrating and coming back and being kind of reconnected as a group. So that's one way that it's used. It's a joyous expression. It's also a pleasing or desirable kind of state. Teresa and I, a few weeks ago, were able to go to Durango, Colorado. We rode the narrow gauge railroad up into this canyon. It is an, a, a beautiful sight. Just, just below us was the Animas River, and we were way back up into the high country. And it was one of those sites that was pleasing. It was desirable, or according to this word, it was good for us. The third one means it's usable. It's in order. It's the way it should be. It's perfect for the situation like using a screwdriver when you need a screwdriver as opposed to a wrench when you need a screwdriver. It's, it's usable. It's the way it ought to be. It's good. And finally, the way it's used in the Old Testament is it, it is suitable. The opposite of that word would be repulsive. However you choose to apply that word good as it's used in Genesis 1, God looks at what He does in all four of those words come into play. It's good. It's the way it ought to be. But there's more to it than just that. I want to take you to verse 25, because in verse 25 we find a little bit different spin on this. Every other place we find that um, the word good is preceded by, uh, well, excuse me, verse 25 it's preceded by this word that in Hebrew essentially means it's truly good. It's very good. Verse 25 says this, And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. It translates the same in English in that translation. 
But in the Hebrew language, there's a word that's added into that that ramps it up. It essentially says it was good indeed. There's several things we need to get about that. One of them is that as creation progressed, it was good every step of the way. But it was also improving as it went. Not so much that God was doing better work, but that the whole thing together was such that it caused God to look at it and go, well, I'm going to put it in my terms in a, in a kind of a slang way. I, I think God looked at it and went, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's good work. I think that's critical for us to get because in verse 31, we come to the final statement here as it relates to this segment anyway. And it says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. It was truly good. The, the form of the word changes here. It was truly good. And the word behold is inserted in there. So we might very literally translate it and say, behold, in the highest degree, that's good. Every step of the way, in the highest degree, God looked at that and said, that is exactly what I had in mind from the beginning. Here's why I think that's important for us as we come to look at this story. So often in our world, we get caught up in the things that are not good. And a matter of fact, one of the ways that we tend to take this story as storytellers is we begin with the not good. You know, you're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ. Well, that's a true statement. But we don't really understand the need for that if we can't understand what was lost in sin in the first place. Because God made this creation. And chapter 2 adds into it the creation of man. And it, it, it's, it is an incredible two-chapter stretch of Scripture. As we see the best of God, as we see the intent of God, as we see God creating this creation for fellowship with it, as a way of essentially saying, this is mine, these are mine, and in every way, it's good. But the superlative on top of that says it's good beyond what we can even imagine, especially on this side of sin. So I go back to that delivery room with my daughter. And I see in that newborn baby that she's perfect. She has, the way we use that, she has her fingers, she has her toes, she has two eyes, two ears, her nose, all of those things. She's perfect. But I also know that she's going to grow up and be in her terrible twos. And beyond that, worse than that, she'll be a teenager someday. She's not perfect. But the beginning is perfect. And what God created from the outset was, this is what I've done. And he looks at it and says, that's really good. We don't live at that level. We'll talk about that some in the next sermon that I preach. But for today, I want us to start there. We'll say a couple of other things in our last segment today, but I want you to think for just a moment about the goodness, the amazing part of God's creation. We'll come back in just a few moments. Hang with us. And we're ready. So we're talking about God's goodness in creation and how we see that. We just talked about the perfect nature of the beginning of this story. God creates it. He says, that's good. He creates it again and says, that's good. Third time, third account in or third piece of this creation order. And he says, that's good. But he gets to the end and he looks at the whole thing. And he says, eh, that's really good. 
And in our world today, it's really hard to see that sometimes. It's really hard for us to look around and go, yeah, that's a good part. But let me just, when that happens for you and you get a little bit skeptical yourself, maybe walk out on a clear night, just look up into the sky and consider that God created those stars. And it's an incredible thing to see. There's another piece of the goodness of creation that I want us to get here. And that is the move in creation, the way Genesis is written, the move in creation from chaos to order. And some of this grows out of the Hebrew understanding of those terms. And, you know, darkness represents chaos and the unknown and things are not exactly great, but uh, daylight and light comes and it helps us to see order. And we find this progression. And maybe you've read this before and you've wondered why in Genesis 1 it says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. Well, that's behind that. This idea that there was this darkness, this, this lack of order, this chaos, and God created on that day and it moved it to this point of reference. There's, there's clarity that comes with the light. Let me give you a point of reference in that. I've told a couple of you this, but uh, I was walking one morning, actually it was a Sunday morning, several weeks ago now, probably a month ago. And uh, I got up early and I was walking and I was about a mile or so from my house and it was about 5.45 or so in the morning. And it was just beginning to get daylight. And I was walking down uh, one of the more major streets in our part of the town. And um, as I, it was dark enough that I could kind of see shapes, but it was still dark enough that without a light on, you couldn't really see much. And I walked past this house and they had a motion detector light system on the side of the house. So I didn't set it off because I was walking in front of the house on the sidewalk, but the one on the side popped on. And so when it did, I just glanced over to see what it was. And there was a skunk that was coming down the wall towards me and we were on a collision course. And the skunk was the one who his motion had set that light off. And I thought to myself, that's a skunk. And then I did the quick uh, evaluation of his speed and my speed. And I thought, we're going to meet at the end of that fence. And so I started running. You don't want to see me run, but I guarantee you, you would have if you'd have been driving by right then. It was the light that revealed that there was a dangerous situation there. Chaos, the darkness, to order the light. That's the picture that we find throughout Genesis chapter 1. That's why at the end of every day there was evening and there was morning, the first day, second day, etc. It shows God's involvement and His direction in creation. It's part of why His creation is good. Because He specializes. This is really important for us to get the application of this. He specializes in bringing order to chaos. My life is an example of that. Your life is too, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. One of my running buddies in high school uh, was far from being Christian. And he, was, uh, he had all kinds of issues through high school. And he was a skeptic about religion and about Christianity especially. And, uh, you know, I had a chance to meet up with him again about 10 years ago now. And God did a work in his life. And from being uh, a guy who really abused drugs and his life was really on a dead-end path, 
He met Jesus Christ and it turned his life around. And so now he works in his church. The things that he did that were part of his previous life before Jesus, sound control and audiovisual, that kind of stuff, he does that for his church in the Metroplex area. Uh, and and he's, a, he's a great example, just like I'm a great example, of having a life that was marked by chaos and God got involved and he changed it to good. So that's, that's part of what it means when we say the beginning of the story is perfect. God from the outset let us see that he specializes in bringing order out of chaos. Creation bears witness to that every day. From nothing comes something. God still does that kind of work. He's still about changing lives. He's still about bringing order out of chaos. And he moves us out of that point of ambiguity about what life is even all about. But see, we find in this first part of the story that that's part of God's character. And so if we want to understand how important it is that Jesus came, we have to understand what sin did to his creation. But we can't understand what sin did to his creation if we ignore this perfect start to his story. And God revealed to us from the outset of who he is and what his character is, what his abilities are. And he wants to be involved to do that with us. We'll look more about the reason that we need Jesus Christ in the next sermon that I preach in this series. We'll see that, that this creation, the good of God, pretty quickly spins out of control because of the corruption that sin brings. We'll look at that next time. But for today, I, I want to drive this point home. If you're living a life today, you're watching this and you're, you're not sure where God is in your life. Maybe you're even skeptical about it all. Uh, but you look at your life and you go, you know, things are not maybe as good as they could be. That's evidence that there's room for God in your life, that you need him in your life. And so we want to always want to invite you to have that kind of correction for sin in your life. But it begins today with recognizing that God has a better life for you that his creation was marred by sin. And so we offer that to you. And if you want to know more about that and would love to talk to us about that, uh, we're going to put up on the screen how you can get a hold of us here at the church or through email, phone call, whatever it is. But uh, you need Jesus Christ. It's his, and what the life that he offers you is God's best good that we find. And so we invite you to that. Maybe some of you are out there watching this and you, you know Jesus as your Savior, but your life's not all that good. My suggestion to you is that you come back to the beginning of the story. And if, if God's life is not showing you that good, then there's room for uh, some evaluation of what's gone wrong and maybe choices that you've made. Don't miss that part of this. The beginning of the story is perfect. And what God offers to us is a good life. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week.